Welcome to The 100 Podcast. It's Ed and Charlie here with you. Hope you're well. Today, we're joined by Southern Brave seamer, George Garn. George, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. Well, George, it's great to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, let's kick off by rewinding to 2019, which right now feels like a completely different world. And of course, the night of the draft itself. I'm curious to know, George, when that night was happening, you know, if that's a big event in English cricket, how did it feel for you when you got picked up? What was that whole experience like? Yeah, um, when the draft was happening, I remember I was actually on holiday with my family. Um, I think I was in uh, Hawaii, actually, at the time. And I set a little reminder on my phone because the rest of the family went to the beach for a nice kind of sunbathe and a swim in the sea. And I thought, actually, I probably should have a watch of the draft. Um, and I was, I was pretty nervous, I think, because I hadn't, leading up to it, I hadn't played T20 cricket for two years because of selection and injury and whatnot. So I was pretty nervous going into it. Um, and I remember as as the draft went on and more and more names got read out, read out and my name wasn't on there. Yeah, definitely kind of thinking, oh, maybe not this year. I'm going to have to try really hard for a wild card pick. So my name got called out uh, by Southern Brave. I was over the moon. Yeah, and it does feel back then, obviously, you're a young developing player coming through. Fast forward two years to now, where before the tournament you got an England call up, it, you, you've you really kind of gone to a different level over those two years. It's very much, a, I guess, a, a different period for you now. Yeah, definitely. I think um, from when I signed in tw- at the end of 2015, early 2016 to that period of 2019, it was a lot of kind of... Uh, ups and downs, a few injuries here and there, and really learning about um, my bowling and my cricket. Um, and I've definitely matured a lot from 2019 to, to this year. I've learned a lot more about my bowling um, and my batting. And yeah, I've definitely developed a lot. There's certainly not a full product yet, but um, I'm really happy with how it's progressing. Yeah, for sure. And you've obviously improved a hell of a lot and it's been wonderful to see you improve and, and, and play so well. I guess in terms of the 100 generally, how have you been finding it so far? What do you make of it all? I've loved it. I think it's been a really, really good tournament. Um, the standard is very high. Um, I think the level of overseas is very good. Uh, you've obviously got the best 90-so uh, English players as well. So the standard's right up there. Um, it's very well run. I think it's advertised brilliantly to to friends, family, kids, um, and the whole kind of population, especially with it being on BBC. I think some of the numbers we've had for BBC viewings for games has been unbelievable and exceptional for to kind of broadcast cricket to a wider community who might not watch it on Sky. Um, I think the the DJs at the grounds, the way it's set out, the time frame, I think it's been brilliant. Yeah, and obviously there's some new tactical nuances within the 100-ball competition. Obviously, you've got... You know, you're two sets at the same end. You've got your 10-ball overs. How much conversation was there within the Brave camp about how you were going to approach these new rules and stuff? But it does feel like there could have been a huge advantage for kind of exploiting them correctly. Yeah, there was definitely um, a few kind of panic chats because we didn't have too much time before the tournament started. We had one warm-up game to kind of grasp the concept. Um, And I think you're seeing that in the first couple of games for every team in the 100, they were playing around with different ideas, finding out what worked um, and what didn't. And there's certainly not a set plan as yet. I don't think you've seen teams go about it in all different types of ways. And I think it's very similar to when T20 first started. People tried lots of things. Um, and you're probably only really now almost 
over 10 years later, finding teams with a very set plan in T20 cricket about how to go about things. So I think we'll definitely see a few a, a few changes um, over the next couple of games, the next few years about people really settling down on the best format and the best kind of game plan around the 100. Absolutely. And in terms of people who are in your dressing room, in your camp who are able to to work out a plan. I feel like you're very well placed. There's some incredible talent there. And what's it like playing alongside guys like Quinton, De Car- Colin, De Grand Tom? I mean, the, the list just goes on, really. What's it like playing with those guys? It's much nicer bowling at them than uh, uh, bowling in their team rather at them. Um, I've bowled at Quinton a few times and it, it doesn't usually end well. Um, <laughs> he's a very talented player. Same with Colin um, and now Paul Sterling that we've got as well. It's much nicer than being on our team than playing against them. Um, and yeah, I'd, as I said, it's kind of the best 90 or so English players as well as some very high-class um, overseas players. So you get to to learn, rub shoulders with the, the best around. Um, I'm lucky at Sussex to, to have Tamar, CJ, Joff um, anyway, but to be playing in the tournament with them, unfortunately not Joff this time, but still with CJ and um, T, it, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah, and obviously when you look at that seam attack you have, obviously the four Sussex guys and Craig Overton, you know, it, it's incredible depth. Even without Joffre Archer in there, which is obviously very sad for you all, but if you put Tymo Mills, Chris Jordan, yourself out there, I don't think too many people would bat an eyelid if that was the three-pronged seam attack for a T20 for England at some point. You know, obviously that's your Sussex attack as well. What's it like working with those guys? It does feel like you've got you know, one of the strongest seam groups in world cricket, really. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, we're lucky to have it for a few years now at Sussex and for a young lad like me growing up um, and learning a lot about my game over the last few years, to be able to fall back on someone like CJ's experience who's played all around the world in many comps for England as well. Um, To have a guy like that, to ask questions, challenge myself. I mean, our, our training sessions are very tough, but they're very rewarding and very challenging. Um, and very competitive. So it brings out the best in you. Um, it brings out the best in everyone. And I think you've seen that kind of the way Sussex has gone about things that we're in a really good place. Yeah, and talking about Tymel specifically, you guys kind of have, I guess, similar career paths in a sense in that you both left arm as you bowl very quick and you've had your injury concerns through the years. Obviously, Tymel only plays T20 cricket because of his. How much has his experience of going through those challenges helped you as you've kind of had to navigate them through the years? Yeah, um, certainly has helped me. He's a bloke that um, I talk to, especially kind of about injuries and rehabbing and kind of getting your your mental game um, in the right place with rehabbing and thinking about it positively rather than thinking it as a major setback because unfortunately for T, he has been through quite a few. Um, So... As much as it's not nice talking about them, it can be nice to have a another person there who's experienced it and can talk you through it and say, "Hang on, just get through the bad days. They don't they don't last, and there's kind of light around the corner." Yeah, of course, and now oh, it's a it's a great bowling attack, of course. Who said that? And and you in particular, I think it's very complimentary. You've gained a lot of plaudits for your bowling in the power play, and that's obviously a really valuable skill set. But what is it about your bowling that you think makes you a really good power play option? Um, that's a good question. Um, I, I seem to have a knack of taking wickets. I think that's what people like. Um, I try and swing the ball up top, be aggressive with my lengths and my lines. Um, and I think the power play is a really good opportunity to take wickets. Um, we've seen in T20s that the stat is if you take three wickets in the power play, you win 80% of your games here or so there. 
Um, so I think going to the 100, it was the same kind of thing. Just try and be really aggressive, try and get the openers out um, and put the team in a good position. Yeah, and obviously you're mostly known for your bowling, but you're batting something that's definitely come along. And obviously we've seen you bat up the Order of Sussex before. I think you batted five against the London Spirit in this tournament. Is getting up the order more regularly something you're working towards? Because it definitely feels like you have that kind of all-round package. Yeah, definitely. Batting's something I've worked really hard on. Um, as you said, bowling's kind of my more known strength. Um, but I work really hard on my batting. I want to be a genuine all-rounder. Um, and I like being flexible in that batting lineup where if the matchup's there for me against the leg spinner, say that um, the head coach can chuck me in at five, three, four, seven, wherever it, it may be to try and benefit the team. And I think the more flexible you can be like that, the more um, of an addition you are to the team. Of course. And, and you mentioned your coach, Mahalo Jal Wardner, who is clearly one of the world's best coaches, a proven win, obviously has a lot of success at the Mumbai Indians in the IPL. It must be so good for you to work with a coach of that calibre. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, I first saw um, Mahela at Sussex when I was, it was a year before I signed um, and I played a couple of twos games with him. Um, and yeah, I hadn't seen him for a while, but he, he's, a, he's a legend of a bloke. He's a very good coach, um, very good man manager and very detailed. He expects a lot from his players as he should. Um, and yeah, so far so good. We've been really, we got on really well. Yeah, and obviously, uh, as an IPL coach, Mahela, I guess, is a very well-known name. And a lot of the coaches are very well-known. And it feels like you know, with those kind of caliber coaches, with the caliber of players playing, with the fact that the 100 is you know, eight concentrated teams you know, full of the best talent all over TV, it feels like there is much more of a platform maybe for guys like yourself to push maybe for, for franchise deals. We've seen a lot of Australians get deals because of the big bash. Is that something that I guess crosses your mind? That if you know you play well for Mahela, he can recommend you to other coaches and then there might be deals kind of lying in place for you? Yeah, I, I, I try not to look too far ahead. I think that can cloud your judgment a little bit and um, affect your performances if you're worrying or thinking about other things. But it's definitely the best platform, uh, I think, for an English player now to play franchise cricket because you've got the best players in the world, you've got the best coaches, you've got a lot of TV coverage, every game's on TV, some's on terrestrial television. Um, and it's certainly attracted a lot of attention from overseas um, players and coaches and teams to have a look at. Um, so, yeah, it, it definitely, I think it will it really help domestic English players to potentially get a gig here and there, the same as the Big Bash does for Australian players. Absolutely. I think it would be well-deserved. There's a lot of English players out there who are clearly very good and are deserving of that call-up and higher honours, uh, as indeed you are. And your England call-up for the Sri Lanka series, of course, was very well-deserved. But... I feel like it must have been really frustrating for you to not only not play the game in that series, but then miss out on the subject of Pakistan series and then having to watch essentially, you know, guys who would have been behind you in the, in the rankings then get ahead of you and play while you're watching the sidelines. That must have been annoying. Yeah, I, I think because I've been through injuries and stuff, I'm used to setbacks um, and I'm used to just kind of accepting things that aren't in your control. Um, I, I couldn't control the COVID situation. I couldn't control any of that. So personally, it didn't. I didn't get worked up. I didn't get upset. Um, I was obviously disappointed at the time, but if it wasn't meant to be, it wasn't meant to be. I couldn't personally control it, so I didn't kind of work myself up about it. Um, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. 
Yeah, but going back to that original call-up, obviously you've gone through a, a lot of injuries, you worked really hard your body. What was that that initial call-up like when you got the call to, to be part of the squad? It must have been pretty special. Yeah, it, it, it definitely was. Um, I remember uh, the last time I'd kind of had contact from the ECB was about four years ago on, on a Lions trip when I unfortunately tore my side. Um, and since then, I felt quite distant and quite out of the picture if that, if that makes sense um and i just tried to concentrate on playing for sussex doing the best i could keep trying to win games for sussex um and it was a, a really nice and kind of special phone call to get to say look we've acknowledged everything you've done um over the last two three years we're really impressed with how you've improved um and this kind of call up is justification of that so it, it was a nice it was a very nice feeling for me to kind of know that um, I, was, I was doing the right thing. Of course, and I guess looking forward to the future then with the World T20 on the horizon and Joffre Archer unfortunately ruled out for that for injury, does the thought of making it into that squad cross your mind right now? Um, that's a good question. It, it hasn't. Um, I've just tried to focus on doing the best I can in the 100. Um, I don't pick the teams. Um, it's not my job. It's above my payroll. I'm there to, if they think I'm the best best option then I'll go out and do my best for the team um if they don't then that that's fine too I'm I'm a player it's my job to go out and play if I'm I'm selected if not then that's okay um so no it hasn't really crossed my mind I just want to do the best I can for in the 100 at the moment yeah and that's a that's a great mindset to have obviously and going back to the 100 the Southern Brave really want to I guess the the front runners for the competition I guess for the majority of people you've got a fantastic squad Obviously, in T20 and, of course, the 100 doesn't always go your way and you lost the first couple of games, obviously rebounded really, really well. What was that process like for the side where maybe things didn't quite go your way for the first couple of games? How did you go about fighting back and finding a way to get into rhythm and win some games? Yeah, I think the first game against Trent Rockets, we were massively off the pace. Um, there was no hiding away from the fact that I think lads were a bit rusty or unsure about the the way the 100 balls was going to pan out. And um, we certainly got a slap in the face there to kind of wake up and switch on um, and not to kind of rest on the team we had. Um, so we kind of said, look, we've got match winners from 1 to 11. Our whole team's very strong, but don't, don't expect someone else to win the game. You go out and win the game. Um, and I, it's a new team. It, it takes some time to bond. Uh, we got really strong kind of friendship now the group's really strong uh, working well together um so that bonding time sometimes takes takes a couple games um and especially in t20s the margins are so small that it is in the hundred the balls are less the margins are probably smaller but you can win and lose games from a matter of two or three balls um so you're not really ever too far away from winning and once you win you want to keep keep winning winning is a habit so trying to get on a roll at the right time yeah, and obviously you guys, you know, it does feel like you're on a roll now. Obviously, with eight teams, all high quality, only three getting into the getting into guys the postseason. There must be a lot of stress about it, but it feels like you guys are in a good place to kind of go and take that in the form you're in. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're in a place where the competition is in our own hands. If we win the last two games, then I think we're definitely through. So we're not relying on any other teams. It's it's completely down to us and in our own hands to to see where we are uh, when we get to the eliminators in the finals. Yeah, and best of luck for the rest of the tournament, George. We 
Really been enjoying watching you play. And thank you so much for joining us. That's right. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Podcast 100. We've got loads of clips there, loads of different stuff going on. So make sure to follow us there. And please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. We'd love to know what you think and uh, it would really help us out. So thank you very much for listening to the 100 podcast and we'll speak to you next time. Thank you.